SAFM 104-107 Nationwide Leading the conversation The Viewpoint Weekdays 8-10pm On SAFM On the viewpoint. Yes, we are back. We have Mr. Makashule Ghana who just wants to have his final say. Like a typical politician, you give them all the time and they want more time. I am teasing. It was a great first hour with Professor Figene and Makashule. Unfortunately, I wouldn't say ran out of time, but time simply wasn't enough for them to engage the issues as you would have wanted. A valedictory speech to you and for you to the listeners, Makashule? Yeah, uh, time flies. You know, I. You're telling me. Uh, you know, I thought I thought uh, 40 minutes was uh, too long a time, um, but it flies, uh, and especially on live radio. Uh, but thanks very much. Thanks to the listeners. Thanks to everyone who tuned in, and it was my first attempt at broadcasting, uh, and being a presenter on SFM. So if I did well, you can you know, petition. You can petition the station to invite me again. Hold your horses. Uh, but uh, for now, I'll remain a political activist as we attempt to build uh, a new political alternative in South Africa. Fantastic. I'm, I'm going to say, in in the context of everything that was said, and I think in the broader political context and sort of nation building context. Earlier today, I was at a work meeting and. At work, or there are many generations, and some are older, some are younger. This one gentleman, whose opinion I really do treasure and respect, and his work, not just at the organization, but in his previous life. This is what he says to me. He recalls a conversation that he had with a colleague of his in 1994. The conversation is in Port Elizabeth, as it was then, Kabecha now. An African guy, let's call him Jamini, and a colleague of his, the colleague's name is, let's call that colleague Skuman. Skuman and Lamini have this conversation, and, and, and Skuman invites Lamini over to his house. Lamini, come to my house. I want to make you a boiki. Lamini goes, they have the boiki, and they start talking, and of course, liquor oils the conversation. Two, three hours in, this is a story I had no earlier than today. Skuman says, you know what? I am worried about South Africa. The other one engages, why? The other one says, I don't know the future. The other one, in a way, takes some umbrage to that. What do you mean? We are on the eve of the elections. This is the best thing that could happen for the country. What are you talking about? You worried? I mean, are you not worried about the past? And the one makes the necessary concessions, does Skuman, and he says, I'm worried about South Africa because in 20 years from now, it will be a shadow of what you see it as now. Aibo, why? What do you mean? You people, and you know what you people means. You people do not plan. And you'll see it in 20 years. What do you make of that statement? And what do you make of the truth or otherwise of it? I, yeah, no, it's a, it's a difficult one to... To, to then uh, kind of unpack. Our problems is not lack of planning. 
uh, I think Skuman is, is incorrect. <clears throat> if there's one thing that uh, democratic South Africa has shown, it's uh, the ability to plan. Uh, what has been lacking, had Skuman had foresight, uh, he would have said in 1994 that, you know, the good thing about you people, because that's what he used, mm. is that you can plan, but you are forever in a planning mode and you never get to do anything. At what point do you stop planning and start implementing that which you have planned to do? Because the planning is there. The plans are there. They are gathering dust. But uh, there's no willingness to do something. And that's why I say uh, even willing is not enough. We must do. We know what's wrong with our country. We even know what must be done. You know, uh, now it's time to do it. And you know, if you can, if you don't believe or you don't trust those that are in power to do it, just know that you are the one to do it. There's no Messiah. We are the ones we have been waiting for. We are the ones we have been waiting for. The parting shots of Makashule Ghana. Thank you so much for your time. You can see. Twenty one the Viewpoint, 8 to 10 p.m. Turning conventional wisdom on its head. We move on with the conversation. We move on with the final Viewpoint broadcast for this week. And certainly we are in the final stretch. 49 minutes to go. Two, sco- two stories to unpack. One in line with Global Watch, Global Focus, returning Zimbabweans battle to rebuild their lives in Harare. That is all about the Zimbabwean exemption permit. And perhaps I'm going to locate this in law before we continue to talk about the social and economic impact of the ZEP program, which has now again been extended until mid-year next year. And then the final story for this evening, pedestrian and youth-focused program closes on a high note and opens up further empowerment opportunities. That will be the final story for this evening, a conversation with the CEO of the Transport Education Training Authority, for short, TETA. Now, we're talking about something which is of serious political importance, as it is generally of the nation South Africa as we know it, and the struggle for a fair distribution of its resources. I think in the broader scheme of things, we can locate the conversation in that regard. Specifically, in the Immigration Act, let me read, and then you'll get the context as I move on. The following foreigners may be declared undesire... No, 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 sorry, exemption. We're talking about exemption. The following persons or categories of persons are not illegal foreigners... Section 31 b and it reads, A member of a military force or a foreign state which has been granted consent by the government of the republic to enter the republic while such consent subsists and 31b, the officers and crew of an official ship or foreign state which ship is in port. That's not the issue here. 31.2 says, Upon application, the minister as he as he or she deems fit after consultation with the board 
may under the terms and conditions determined by him or her grant a foreigner or a category of foreigners the rights of permanent residence for a specified or unspecified period when special circumstances exist which justify such a person provided that the minister may exclude one or more identified foreigners from such categories and for good cause shown withdraw such right from a foreigner or a category of foreigners. We are talking about the Zimbabwean exemption permit. Minister Mutsoledi earlier this month to September 22 extended the ZDP application from 31 December 2022 and ends 30 June 2023. So in other words, there is effectively another nine months where the ZEP, Zimbabwe Exemptions Permit, under the Immigration Act persists. Nobody may be arrested, ordered to depart, or be detained for purposes of deportation or deported in terms of Section 34 of the Immigration Act. And, and, and. Why? Because we can trace the history to the struggles of our border, our, of our friends across the border in Zimbabwe. The question then becomes... Is it, one, tenable to continue with this exemption, Zimbabwean exemption permit? And two, what obligations do we have at law to ensure the smooth repatriation or return or other forms of exemptions stroke permits in line with the Immigration Act for those who are affected by the ZEP to continue their stay in South Africa? That's essentially the conversation we are having you as a South African no doubt have an opinion, no doubt have experienced our neighbors from Zimbabwe in one form or the other, good or bad, neutral, whatever. You certainly do have a point of view. Should we continue this? Is our historical relationship with the country of Zimbabwe now important for us to consider? Is our status of the democracy of any import in, or impact in this particular conversation? And by that I mean the resources that the nation clearly doesn't have for an infinite number. The value of illegal foreigners in a country, despite the exemption, just illegal foreigners in an environment, essentially not particularly accounted for. What are the issues that come through to you as we engage this issue? As you think about that and as you participate, please, let me have a conversation with an economist from Zimbabwe, Mr. Vince Musewe. Vince, good evening. Thank you so much for joining us. Now, this conversation 12 years on is starting to take a turn one way or the other. Talk to us first, please, about the economic impact or the impact period, irrespective of what the impact is, the impact nonetheless of this on Zimbabweans in Zimbabwe who are due to go back to Zimbabwe very soon, or those who are in South Africa without any intention to go back to Zimbabwe? Give us an open-ended response to this broad question. Okay. Um, good evening, everyone, and good evening to listeners. I think clearly uh, we have to understand where Zimbabwe is at uh, economic-wise, and, and then we try and anticipate what an influx of... Uh, immigrants would mean to the economy, okay? Currently, the, the Zim economy is basically uh, dysfunctional. The reason being that, I mean, Zimbabwe has faced significant de-industrialization over the last 10 years for many reasons. I mean, you know, some of them uh, which are due to sheer mismanagement of the economy, but some of them are also due to the geopolitics 
of the region and also international. Now, right now, Zimbabwe's uh, economy, 70% of Zimbabwe's GDP is coming from the informal sector. These are businesses that are not registered, that do not pay tax, where people, because they cannot get formal employment because of the deindustrialization, have become street entrepreneurs where they are selling wares, they are importing stuff, they are making stuff, you know, highly informalized. And that is a source of income of 70% of our GDP, with the 30% coming through the typical mining sector. And these are big, big monopoly companies uh, in the agricultural sector, which are also, which is also a monopolistic. Uh, so the space, as we speak for local Zimbabweans, the economic space, is limited for them to make a decent living. That's why we have urban property, urban pro poverty. That is uh, ridiculous. We've got overcrowding. Mm. We've got a dilapidated infrastructure. We've got an issue where even the government, because let me give you an example. Our local government, for example, depends on rates, isn't it? So if people don't have money to pay the rates, rubbish not collected. Water systems are not repaired, roads are not repaired. So we've got a dilapidating urban infrastructure because of that, right? And we then have an issue of the issue of currency mismanagement mm. with high inflation, which is really, really means that whatever income uh, an ordinary person makes is getting lazy, but is, its purchasing power is reducing each and every month as inflation increases. And that is the scenario that anyone who is coming back to Zimbabwe has to face with. Zimbabwe cannot deal with its unemployment at this stage. It cannot deal with its, with its elderly. It cannot deal with the, the marginalized to provide them safety nets, social safety nets. The public sector is dilapidated, public health, education. So, you know, that is the scenario that, that we're talking about. Now, if we then have an influx of individuals who are coming into the country, the situation gets worse simply because there is no meaningful employment opportunities for such people. They basically have to join the bandwagon in the informal sector and survive uh, in that way, right? And that is the current scenario. Maybe uh, that's the picture I just wanted to paint. No, sure. That's that's a, a good and solid picture upon which then to base this conversation. I'm no political analyst, and I don't propose to even offer such analysis, but to keep the conversation going, because I would have appreciated Joseph Chirume, the one who's actually the basis of this conversation, because he wrote an article, he's part of Ground Up Organization, the title of that article being Returning Zimbabweans Battle to Rebuild their lives in Harare. And I think what he writes is quite consistent to what you paint as the image. Let me then on the other side try and paint some image. South Africans certainly will contribute to this conversation. So where I might lack, they certainly will cover as it were. South Africa right now, whilst probably not to the extent at which you speak of as it relates to Zimbabwe, certainly has the signs that can create an environment that mirrors that. Generally, there's a state of despondency if the first conversation is anything to go by. The public service system, more than it is being built, seems and is in fact crumbling. There are 
there is a scarcity of resources. A high number of South Africans are reliant on social grants. And very recently, the um, Social Relief of Distress Grant, the SRD as we call it here, 350 rand per person per month over the age of 18, following from COVID and now seems to be entrenching itself, is something which is being rolled out. In other words, the social safety net is being increased because of the demand at a social level of just destitution or, if not, vulnerability of South Africans at large. The conversation then develops into something like this. We cannot afford ourselves, in the light of corruption, the fact that we have been seriously impacted by COVID and an economy in decline before and post-COVID in general and relative terms. Now we are dealing, among other things, this, the, the antisocial aspects associated with a society that is challenged as ours is, including but not limited to crime. Crime becomes especially pronounced when you cannot even trace its perpetrators, largely because particularly in the provinces of the Northwest, Limpopo, and Mbumalanga, sort of the gateway provinces into South Africa from those who would not be documented. Now, the question then becomes, in the light of all of this, it is time to put South Africans first. In fact, there is a hashtag in social media that goes around engaging this sort of question in probably more brash and harsher terms, but nonetheless engaging the question of South Africa for South Africans. Is there then, against what I've said, room for the ZEP, the Zimbabwean Exemption Permit, to persist because of the environment in Zimbabwe that you have painted being one that essentially robs people of their dignity and that South Africa becomes, if you like, the next protector of those peoples and their respective dignity? What, what do you make of this argument posited by put South Africans first against the framework of South Africa that I've, or the climate rather, the, against the South African climate as I have put to you. Yeah. Okay. As far as I'm concerned, if, if we look at the economic impact or the social impact of immigrants on South Africans, is not a positive picture that has been, that, that we are seeing. And any country uh, anywhere in the world has a constitutional responsibility to protect and give particular rights to its citizens. It, they come first, according to the constitution, right? So constitutionally, the government of South Africa is obligated to protect South Africans constitutionally, mm. right? And even in, in economies where, for example, I don't know, your, your tax structure is highly skewed. I mean, there's very little, uh, uh, kind of it's very it's, it's the top income earners are the ones that are basically funding south african social services isn't it through the, your tax structure your grants and whatever and it is not fair for a business operating or individuals or whatever paying tax in south africa for that tax to be used for other things other than mm. the interest of south africa i mean that's that's a straightforward you know there's no question about that having accepted and, and agreed on that whose responsibility is it then to equalize the historical impact of immigration within the region right 
Is it the responsibility of the SADC? Should the SAD take responsibility as a collective? Because whatever, you see, we also have to look at that our economies are interlinked, right? And, you know, a, a successful region mm. requires some equalization of opportunity so that you actually limit this kind of migration, right? And they have to address the reasons, the root cause of that immigration as a collective, just like, for example, where you have developed economies protecting the citizens of the EU and ensuring that their interests are looked after compared to immigrants coming from elsewhere, but also ensuring that also, you know, that those immigrants have some sort of rights when they are there. So as far as we can see here, the intellectual and logical arguments are straightforward, right? But when we bring the emotional side of things on how people would then react to this particular issue is the problem in that Number one, do you then have to exercise violence to address the problem? Do you then have to push people out to go to hospitals and see whether they are Zimbabwean or not? Do you have to check people on roadblocks? And if you're a darker skin, you are then labeled as an as an illegal Im mm. uh, immigrant, mm. right? Let me give you an example. I lived in South Africa for a while, right? And I remember at one roadblock, I had a white male friend of mine and the police stopped us and they asked me for a passport. They didn't bother to ask the white person. So there's a racial bias that is inborn because obviously of apartheid, of xenophobia, if you want to call it that, mm -hmm. right? And that's the reality on the ground. And it is for me, the the, the, the responsibility of leadership in the region to ensure, I mean, Becky has got some valid points when he talks about how Zimbabwe sacrificed for South Africa. But that does not give Zimbabwe an excuse to do nothing about the problem. That does not give the region to just watch and do nothing about the problem. We're taking calls. Johannesburg... We're taking calls, 086-000-2032. Calls on 086-000-2032. WhatsApp is still very much alive. I'm hoping to get a lot of voice notes to engage my guest, Vince Musewe, Zimbabwean economist, once lived in South Africa. Voice notes or text messages, 0614-104-107. Let's engage. Zimbabweans in South Africa, the extension until end of June 2023 of the Zimbabwe exemption permit, after which it shall lapse, and those persons affected by the permit will have to, in the interim, apply for ordinary permits to stay in the country or otherwise go back to Zimbabwe. Now, we know the challenges in Zimbabwe. They have been articulated by Vince. Just as much as you know the challenges in South Africa, for the most part, you experience them and you live in South Africa that has these issues. There has to be a solution at some point. The minister proposes through his directive 2 of 2022 that the implementation of the decision to extend Zimbabwe national, 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 
the ZEP granted in terms of Section 31, read with Section 31.2 of the Immigration Act, be that from December 31 this year until end of June 2023, 30 June 2023, the ZEP is in place, after which it lapses. What are the questions ordinary South Africans should be engaging themselves? Is it the historical relations we share with Zimbabwe, particular Zimbabwe having been a frontline state that bore the brunt of the brutality of the apartheid system, the South African National Defense Force at the time? It was the most powerful of its kind, and they simply walked over the border and did, for political purposes, among others and reasons, what they felt like. If we owe Zimbabwe for that, what do we owe Zimbabwe for? How long and who must pay it? How? And the question is, whilst that is being debated, the challenge in South Africa of today, how do we arrest it? I don't propose to have any answers. I'm simply engaging the question because it certainly is an important one to engage. I want to play for now one voice note, which hopefully will get the ball rolling in having participation from our listeners at home. Good evening, Songezo Mapet. Regarding the Zimbabwean uh, special permit, you know, we cannot afford this. Zimbabweans, they are very comfortable in this country and in each and every other SADC or other countries because they keep on blaming, they were, they were blaming Mandela, they blaming Beki, and then they keep on blaming South Africa. They've been using this excuse and the sad part is that they've taught the new generation, the youth, the same excuse because they don't want to go back and fight for their country. We fought for this country. We were kids during the apartheid regime, but we had to fight. So Bona, they are just comfortable in this country and they are hiding behind hey, xenophobic, xenophobic, and they have ring-faced different industries in our own country, our own backyard. It's high time they go back home. Yeah, we continue with more voice notes. Please keep them coming, 2131. We don't have too much time left of this conversation. We only have it until quarter to the hour, after which we'll have to have the final conversation. I do have a couple of calls already coming through from Parktown North. Mamvui, after that, we go to Mafi Gang with Wandile. Mamvui, good evening. Good evening. Thank you, sir. Long time. How are Indeed, you? Indeed, I'm well, Mama Gunja. Yes. You know what, uh, straight on the point, is that um, I think the African continent leaders and uh, the peoples of the continent lack historian and political education. Because when uh, the Eastern Bloc had to be fair, frank and fair with the liberation movement of South Africa, that the struggle has taken too long, so they cannot uh, afford to help us. It's a pity there's no time. I can tell you the situation recent block what was happening in Romania, Yugoslavia, Bulgaria. South Africans were forced. Zambia had to incarcerate and a lot of South Africans who didn't want to come back home because they didn't trust the, the regime. Tanzania as well in many, many countries put South Africans uh, after their uh, permits uh, expired. And no one, no one ever said a word. Hence, we have uh, South Africans who fought for this country but are sleeping under the bridges. Number two, it is the issue of what, once upon a time, I, I was still in the States, but I listened to this speech, Sabonte, he said, we can't have one strong economy in the continent. We need to strengthen our economy so that we can help each other. 
because the problem right now is that we have one strong economy and everyone is coming down south. And it's a big, big problem. And lastly, Zimbabwe is being used by the agenda of destabilizing Southern Africa to start a civil war. Ask me next time. I'll tell you the whole story. They are being used. Hence, they are so arrogant to us. They don't respect us because they are, they are hired to do this. If we are going to descend into a civil war, one friend of mine I worked with at BBC calls it the second Bosnia in South Africa. If you know the story of Bosnia, that's what we are going to Okay. Let's, for now, um, move on. Thank you for those contributions. I actually have quite a few contributions coming in by both voice note and calls. Wandilen Mafikeng, good evening. Thanks for calling. Well, uh, uh, evening, uh, Sonia, let me go straight to it. Yes. Uh, uh, yes. I believe, I believe that uh, it's very wrong for Zimbabweans to be here and live in the way they live because, first of all, crime is so high because of them. And the two days when we were still struggling and, and, and South Africans were not in South Africa like they were in other African countries, they were living in uh, uh, these uh, the refugee camps. So if the government wants uh, uh, the, uh, the foreigners to be here, let them, let them those, those countries like Zimbabwe, Nigeria, and other countries, let them bring whatever that they can bring, maybe food, money, and whatever. Those people, they should be like living in those refugee camps. Because uh, 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 if I might con- continue a little bit, we now have the problems of farm attacks, which we didn't have uh, before, 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 before this. Uh, 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 people get to come here. During the 90s, we didn't have these farmer tags. Now we do have Zimbabweans here. There goes the farmer tags now. The boars have been killed in the farmers, and uh, uh, drugs have been sold everywhere. The crime gets to escalate uh, to the higher level because those people are uncontrollable, and that's the truth. Tabon Beke might say what he says because he's just living leverage. He doesn't know the struggle of us being on the ground struggling to make them ends meet because we are struggling just on the corner, maybe selling potatoes. The next person comes from Zimbabwe, he sells the same thing. My business goes down and I have to go stop. Let's move mm-hmm. on. Thank you so much for the call. Wandilen Mafike and Gondombi in the Western Cape. I remind those who are dropping voice notes. I'm seeing three-minute voice notes and it's, it's not happening. We, we please. The rule is voice notes one minute or less and minimize the background noise. We can indulge a one-minute, five-second voice note. That's not fatal, but please try and truncate your contributions on voice notes simply because that's the platform where we really try and push as many contributions from the public. That's not to say you don't keep them coming. Please do. Ndombi, good evening. Hi, Sungezo. Good evening. How are you? You're right, Namakonda. My brother, um, pass my greetings to your to your, uh, your guest. Vince um, Musewe. So- Yes, yes, friends. Good day. Good, Good evening. evening. Good evening. Yeah. All right. Um, I've I've listened to Vincent articulating the history of Zimbabwe and the current status of Zimbabwe, particularly in terms of social and economically. But songs, what I just want to highlight is the fact that everything that uh, Vincent has highlighted, uh, South Africa also identifies with those. The weakening and declining economy, 33.9% from the second quarter, uh, unemployment rate, social ills, natural floods that took place in Zimbabwe, in, 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 in KwaZulu-Natal, South Africans that are devastatingly and shamefully suffering from all these dynamics that my uh, our colleague from Zimbabwe has, has articulated. The point that I want to make is mm. if, South Af- if South Africa is going to bear with what Zimbabwe is going through, 
at an extreme rate that it does currently. It means that by virtue, South Africans are also going to automatically consume in the very in, 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 in the very same. The, 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 the fact that you pointed out that we're just going to be the projectors of what is already taking place in Zimbabwe. If we try to meet them at the bare minimum, it means we'll as well suffer. What they suffer with is not, uh, is not, is not exceptional than what we're already suffering. So I think uh, it, it's unfair. It's a really, really unfair for the poor South Africans that are already in devastating conditions. So thank mm. you so much. Okay, Susan Dombi, thank you so much for your call. Much appreciated. Don't recall speaking to Susan Dombi before, but if you were a first-time caller, that's my short appreciation for your contributions. Do we have another voice note? We do. Uh, good evening, Songa. Songa, so, you know, it's Lennon. I just want to tell you something about this issue of Zimbabwe. These Zimbabweans, they are not telling the truth. Just because South Africans once hide in Zimbabwe, and it becomes an issue now that we have to allow them to do as they please. Whereas we, on the other hand, we as the truck drivers, would travel through this uh, border gate. Zimbabwe is one of the worst where we have been ill-treated by the VIDs, and we have no way to report all these cases. But they can come here and tell us we are being xenophobic. What is being practiced in here is the same as Zimbabwe. And worse, Zimbabwe is even worse than South Africa. We are even much better because we are still giving them platform to can say whatever they want to say to us. It's Lennon. As long as uh, your lady caller is talking about the arrogance of some of the Zimbabweans, not all, of course, there are very good Zimbabweans who are in this country. Um, let's talk about the video. I've just sent the video, and it had been making rounds for some time now. And uh, let's talk about it and see as to why the law enforcement agencies haven't done anything about it. Here is a Zimbabwean who's threatening to kill the South Africans. He, he's even calling us fools, idiots. Let's talk about that. We understand we are suffering in Zimbabwe, but we're also suffering here. We're suffering big time here under the ANC. Matiban, thank you. Thank you so much. Do we have one more voice note? Because we are running out of time, please. Good evening, uh, Songhezo and your case there. Quick question. Why are we having a um, conversation about Zimbabweans alone? What about um, the thousands of Malawians, Ugandians, people from the DRC, the Soto? What is the conversation around that? Uh, those nationalities. Why are we only talking about Zimbabweans? Good evening, Songezo. Uh, we can talk whatever we want. The only question is that why the Zimbabweans don't want to go back to Zimbabwe to fix their country. And uh, let me tell you one thing. Our president is protecting, and like our government is protecting the foreigners than the, the people of South Africa. We don't have rights than the, 
the foreigners. Honestly, this country is going to nowhere with the this is quite easily the most engaged segment post-21 hours on The Viewpoint in recent memory. Good evening, Songezo. Question, what did Zimbabweans do for South Africans who were in exile in Zambia because South Africans were not even in Zimbabwe? Mugabe was not even friendly to the ANC as organization while they were in exile. That's a contribution from Newton. Yazonda Esoweto says, Molo Songezo, let's put aside passports, permits, etc., can all Zimbabweans go home and vote in numbers, please? Vince, I think if I mm. were to summarize the sentiment, the sentiment is, I could be wrong, but if it, we were listening to the same thing. The sentiment is South Africa has got its own challenges, seriously dire challenges even, and I think well encapsulated by what Ndombi was saying. That's the argument. I'm not agreeing. I'm not disagreeing. Secondly, we have an issue with the fact that they are not documented, it creates an environment for social ills, not limited to crime, among others. Thirdly, there is the view that Zimbabweans, if Yazonda's point is anything to go by, Zimbabweans are best placed to correct the situation as it now pertains in Zimbabwe. How do we, in this context of these very good, I would say, views, but somewhat competing with each other, do we find a solution because I do know one thing, and this is the only thing I know. 30 June 2023, we will not be having this conversation. It will be something else about Zimbabweans continuing to stay in South Africa under a, dispen dis under a different dispensation, or kicking and screaming, they would have gone back because the ZDP would have lapsed. How do we move? Yeah. Yeah, you see, my brother, every point of view, let's start by saying that every point of view is valid. Uh, we cannot begin to judge people uh, based on what they think because they're entitled that opinion and maybe based on experience and also the media and how it, the problem has been framed. I've got one question. Does the removal of Zimbabwe in South Africa resolve South Africa's socioeconomic problems? I would even answer that and say no, categorically no. Right. So what is the root cause of the problems you are facing now? And when we are all clear on that root cause, then we are getting closer to a solution. Rightly so. Zimbabweans need to take responsibility for their own country and do something to ensure that whatever change they desire occurs. And that is a process. It will not be expedited at all by an influx of Zimbabweans coming back home. That will not resolve the issue. We have serious issues with regard to even our electoral processes and our electoral institution, institutions, right? And the, the transformation of those institutions will take significant time and effort to get that transformation. The region has the responsibility to ensure that this problem is resolved. It is not South Africa's problem alone. It is a regional crisis that needs to be addressed. And I am afraid that the solution that is popular might not deliver 
the desired outcomes is you've just and which is that popular sentiment i think i get what you're saying but i'd rather you say it the popular sentiment in this context what do you think it to be or what do you understand it to be but they are the ones that are taking our jobs they're increasing crime mm-hmm. hey. okay vince we seem to be losing you um what a pity that is but i can only say thank you so much for your time and certainly this is never going to this was never going to be enough time to discuss this very critical point discussion it's a, it's an evolving conversation and certainly i would no doubt think that on 30 june 2023 or 1 july same year we would have to have the same or similar conversation but i i you know being one who's invested in social justice issues you 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 can't but at times straddle the two views or two sides of the two points and and that in many respects create creates problems because it doesn't come up with any solution if i listened to vince and vince alone or vince and many zimbabweans who are in this zdp program who are engaging the question of going back to zimbabwe and sharing their experiences at a humanitarian level at the basis of ubuntu one is minded to say stay but at the same time, if I don't engage any of that part of the conversation and engage the conversation and the sentiments expressed by the many South Africans here, I would be like, fair enough, charity does indeed become at home. But these two points cannot exist at the same time, unfortunately. One has to give. The clock is ticking. My goodness gracious, one wonders what's going to happen on the 1st of July, 2023. I'm no prophet. I'm not even going to try and suggest what might Thanks to all of you who have participated in this conversation. Let's move it on now. One more after the break, a conversation with the CEO of the Teta Transport Education and Training Authority. I beg your pardon. After the break, please stay tuned.